Good morning. Good morning. It is Tuesday, Tuesday, the 20th of September. And I have the flu, but we're still going to do Bible study live. And uh, today, what we're going to wrestle with is why is it that when life gets hard, we tend to withdraw from people and try and go it alone? What if trying to go it alone is actually what's making the problems even worse? That's what we're going to talk about today. Hey, good morning. My name's Matt. Welcome to Bible Study Live. It's going to be a short one. I've got the flu. It's still super, super not fun. Uh, and today, what I want to wrestle with uh, with you is how going it alone and trying to not be in community with other people might be part of the cause of our problems. Uh, and it definitely makes them more challenging. So, um, you know, Jesus says in the New Testament, people will know we're with him by our love for one another. There are so many one another's. Corey Bath at our church was talking about this Sunday, all the different one another, one another, one another's in the Bible, or actually maybe Rachel was talking about it. Either way, one of them was talking about it on Sunday night. And, um, and the one another's are reminders like we can't do these things for one another. We can't love one another, forgive one another if there is no one another, right? If we're not connecting. But it goes back way before Jesus shared those words. And so today we're going to open up and take a look at Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis chapter 1 gives us like the whole 30,000 foot view of creation, right? Boom. But Genesis chapter 2 picks up and it, it goes in depth on the creation of humankind. So that's what we're going to uh, take a look at right now. So, uh, oops, I don't know why I clicked a link to Four, open up Restream, but let's try this again. And uh, instead, let's let's share our my screen. Sorry about that. All right, there we go. Uh, all right, Genesis chapter two today. Oh, by the way, sorry. Um, the whole goal of Bible study live is. Uh, to create some conversation without condemnation, to get you to open up your Bible, wrestle with some of this stuff yourself. So uh, I'm not going to always get everything right, um, but uh, I'm just wrestling with it out loud and trying to point out the things that God is saying to me in, uh, in, in the scriptures, and hopefully it will inspire you to uh, get in the Word and do the same. So here we go. Oh, I did it again. Keep clicking on this weird eyeball on my thing instead of clicking on the screen share. All right, Genesis chapter 2. The heavens and earth were completed with everything that was in them. By the seventh day, God finished the work he had been doing, and he ceased. And by the way, I'm reading from the New English translation. Whichever translation you're reading from is probably fine. Uh, on the seventh day, all the work that had been he had been doing, <clears throat> God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he ceased all the work that he had been doing in creation. All right, now, just FYI, these things are not in the manuscripts. These are added by the translators to give us an idea of what the section refers to, just like these numbers weren't in the original manuscripts either, or the original scrolls, I should say. Um, they're just reference points to help us find verses. So, Anyhow, verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now, no shrub of the field had yet grown on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted. 
for the Lord God had not caused it to rain in the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. Spring, And you might say, wait a minute, Matt. Didn't you read yesterday in Genesis 1, the creation story, and how you know Adam was created? And Yes, this is going back to kind of um, go in more in-depth on that. So that's what we're looking at right now. All right. Um, verse 6, springs would well up from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Can I just pause right there? Something that stood out to me, because I know people, you know, they argue all the time, evolution versus creation. But it's interesting because we also are told that a day uh, to the Lord, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. So here's the deal. I believe um, in the creation story. I believe in, it happened in seven literal days. Now, could I be mistaken? Sure. Uh, but I do believe that it happened in seven literal days. But I don't like to get hung up Unlike the semantics of a detail, if somebody's like, well, I can't believe in this because I can't believe it happened in seven literal days. If someone were to say, well, I believe that humanity evolved, you know, that we were a ball of dirt and then we became a tadpole. Well, if you were to take that logic, it doesn't negate God's creation story. Um, there is another perspective one could consider. I don't subscribe to this perspective personally, but it could open up the possibility for someone to who who believes in evolution to also believe in creation simultaneously and that could be um you know it says man was formed from the earth from the dirt and so if a thousand years is just like a day to god well those of you that believe in evolution could also look at this and be open-minded enough to consider well then perhaps it did take a thousand years uh in human time um what what was a day for god and it started from dirt to whatever so um, it's just an interesting perspective that I was wrestling with this morning to say, hmm, how could those two things coexist? Now, uh, again, I don't subscribe to that thought. I do believe it's seven literal days, but just opening up another um, angle of thought to consider for people who go, well, I can't believe in that because I believe in evolution. You actually can believe in creation and evolution simultaneously because God is the author of all creation, which means all things that evolve only could do so because God created them in the first place. So, anywho, let's continue. All right. The Lord God planted an orchard in the east in Eden, and there he placed the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow from the soil, every tree that was pleasing to look at and good for food. Now the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were in the middle of the orchard. Now, a river flows from Eden, and it's interesting, too, um, because, uh, let's see if these are expression tree of the knowledge of good and evil, interpreted to mean the tree would produce fruit, which when eaten gives a special knowledge of good and evil. Scholars debate what the phrase means, uh, and this just lists out a bunch of opinions. Good meaning enhanced, promotes life, where evil, anything that hinders or interrupts or destroys life. So there's an interesting perspective. Um, apparently, uh, rabbinical scholars argue over the part that says um, that they were in the middle of the orchard and that they believe that, uh, and I don't understand why, but I heard this in the Baymont podcast. I thought it was just interesting that um, apparently the actual uh, Hebrew language does not say that they were both in the middle of the garden. 
I mean, I, I, I don't think that matters that much to us as we read this, but just an interesting point. Um, it says, now a river flows from Eden to water the orchard, and from there it divides into four head streams. The name of the first is Pishon. It runs through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of the land is pure, pearls, and lapis lazuli and also uh, are also there. The name of the second river is Gion. It runs through the entire land of Cush. The third is the Tigris. It runs along the east of Assyria. The fourth is the Euphrates. In this, okay, so I always find it interesting to stop sometimes and pause. Notice the way it breaks down these rivers. The first one that it talks about, okay? A river flows from the water of the orchard and, and divides into four head streams. So the first, the Pishon, uh, it talks about how it runs through the entire land and there's gold and it's pure and there's these pearls and lapis lazuli. Then the second gets a little less detail. The Gion runs through the entire land of Cush. So yeah, okay, this runs through a whole land. The third, it's the river Tigris. It runs along the east side of Assyria. Then the fourth is the Euphrates. It's weird that each river, the way it's described, progressively less and less detail. And I uh, I can't help but wonder why. Uh, you know, was Moses just tired of writing the detail about the rivers? They don't, as we read this, they don't seem to lend much to the story, right? We don't understand it. I'm sure there's uh, way in-depth stuff that we won't cover this morning about it, especially because I have the flu. But I just found that pretty fascinating that as we as each river is named, there's less and less detail about it. Okay, it says the Lord God, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the orchard, uh, and traditionally translated into the garden, but the context makes it clear that the garden or orchard was in Eden, making Eden a genitive of location. Okay. So the Lord God took the man, placed him in the orchard in Eden to care for it and maintain it. So yesterday we were talking about how um our view of God and our view of who we are, right? So our identity, who God says we are and who God says he is, right? God creates, God gives life, and all of his creation, you know, he gave humanity the ability to reproduce and create life. He gave the plants, they were seed-bearing, the ability to reduce, right? reproduce and create life. He gave animals the ability to reproduce and create life. And then it says, and then we were created in his image, right? So we have the ability to do those things. We have the ability to plant a garden that then reproduces more life. We have the ability to make babies and reproduce life. So this is, it's beautiful to see what God has done, right? So yesterday we talked about understanding that God created us with a purpose and that purpose is to bring life, right? To bring heaven on earth, to bring more life to this planet and to care for it, right? The subdue isn't to rule over like, but more to take under, uh, under our control is probably not the right word, but sorry, my headspace is a little jacked this morning. Thanks to the flu. But to basically um, utilize the earth for the benefit of furthering God's kingdom, right? Um, and to be a blessing to us, the plants, the animals, like all of that, right? So as we look at this today, I think it's pretty darn cool to see that, um, you know, it says God put him in the orchard, the man, Adam, Adam, uh, in the Garden of Eden to maintain it. So our purpose was to care for this, this planet as well. Now I'm not trying to get into some like crazy woke ideology. Don't, don't think I'm going there, but here's something that is not woke. It's just reality. We're supposed to take care of the planet. We're not supposed to poop all over it. We're not supposed to just mistreat it. God put mankind in charge of the planet, not just to take but to add to, to care for, to tend it, to maintain it. 
think of it this way. It was created in perfection. In, not imperfection. It was created perfectly. And God told Adam to maintain that perfect garden. So that's important. Okay. Then the Lord commanded the man, you may freely eat fruit from every tree in the orchard, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. Let's pause there for just a second. So who was God speaking to? Only Adam, right? Adam was the only one there. So God, Eve was not here yet. So God gave this explicit command to Adam. Sorry, I have to take a drink. He said, look, you can eat from anything, but if you eat from that one, it will lead to death. Now, um, I've heard people say, well, I mean, Adam didn't die right away and neither did Eve. So, I mean, did God lie to them? Did he mislead them? No, they, death was the result of eating this. Humanity wasn't supposed to die. We were supposed to be able to enjoy God for eternity, which we now can thanks to Jesus. But from the beginning of the story, God, and this is what I've heard people say, like, why would God even create this? Why would God even put this tree in the garden if it could lead to death? Well, if God didn't give us choices, we would, we would be like robots, right? Like, so I, I love that God trusted Adam enough and ride with me on this for a second. I love that he trusted Adam enough to give him the choice of the path he wanted to go in life. He said, look, here's the deal. Here's the tree of life. And then here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But if you eat from it, you're surely going to die. So that's your choice. It, he gave him free will. And he said, look, you can get a deeper knowledge, but that deeper knowledge will take you off the path that I have for you. But the choice is yours. Now, interesting. The next thing we see, verse 18, is the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And this is what I want to focus on today. It's not good for man to be alone. From the beginning of the story, God recognized something in his creation. That when we're alone, things don't go as well as they could or should. As a matter of fact, the scriptures flat out say it's not good. But let's talk about real life right now. Have you ever just been in a, like, so frustrated? Like you've had a rough week or a rough day and you go, I just want to be left alone. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. Have you ever had a bad day at work? Or maybe you had an argument with your spouse and your instinct says, leave me alone. I just need some time to myself. I've heard people talk about they were struggling with a crisis. They, maybe they had a, a, a argument with their spouse. Maybe they, um, they were having a rough time at home, whatever. And they were like, I just needed to get away and have some time to myself to process and think. And I'm not saying that, that that's never helpful. But it's interesting that God didn't design us to be alone. And when I, when I look at that, when I wrestle with that, one of the things that I think of is, should we really be alone 
when we feel like that, when we feel like, you know what, right now, I just need everyone to leave me alone. Maybe just maybe that's the problem. See, our, 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 our human nature, our bodies, our, our mind, I think your soul, um, spirit and soul are different things, right? Spirit connected to God. Let's just, we'll equate soul as like our feelings and our mind for now. Um, our body and our soul, sometimes our heart, if you will, will mislead us, right? Into thinking certain things that actually aren't the best for us. See, I, I was just wondering, I was wrestling with this today, that maybe the problem is that we try and pull away and be alone. When we're going through a hard time, you know, the, the scriptures tell us, uh, you know, when two, when two are together, one can lift the other up. And a cord of three strands, you know, can't be broken. God being the third strand, right? Jesus. Um, so, you know, a triple braided cord, as some translations say, uh, is not easily broken. So if we think about stuff like that, it's like when life is hard, maybe we're not supposed to say, I just need some time to myself. Maybe as hard and challenging as that is for us, maybe that's exactly when we need to say, right now, everything inside of me wants to be alone, but I need other people around me. It's critical. I need it. I don't know for sure, but as I read through Genesis 2, I'm starting to get that feeling. So here we go. God tells Adam, you can eat from anything, but if you eat from this one, you're definitely going to die. And then the next thing is the Lord God said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a companion for him who corresponds to him. Basically, um, from the Hebrew perspective, it's, um, not friction, but, uh, uh, what's the right word? Um, it's almost a leverage against, and, and someone painted the picture, think of it this way. Like if, uh, if a board were leaning, this would be the perfect companion to put, to press against him to hold him up. Now, ideally in God's perfect picture, uh, Adam and Ahava, Adam and Eve would have been there to hold one another up through the tough times. Instead, obviously we're about to see, you know, we know, we know what happens in the, in the next chapter that we'll dig into tomorrow. But basically right after God said, don't eat from this one, you'll die. God said, you know what? Not good for Adam to be by himself. I'm going to make a companion that corresponds to him. Somebody perfect for him. So the Lord God formed out of the ground, every living animal of the field, every bird of the air. He brought them together uh, to the man to see what he would name him. And whatever the man called each creature was its name. So the man named all the animals, the birds of the air, living creatures of the field. But for Adam, no companion who corresponded to him was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall to a deep sleep. While he was asleep, he took part. Uh, he took part of the man's side, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the party he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. Then the man said, this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why man leaves his father and mother and unites with his wife, and they become one family. The man and his wife were both naked, but not ashamed. Okay, can we just talk about a couple things right here, okay? I want to point out a few things that stand out to me. One, Adam was naming all the animals, and then he says, finally, finally, this one at last, okay? What this tells me, uh, the Hebrew term, hapa'am, means ah, this time, finally. So it means as Adam was naming the animals, he was looking for his best friend. He was looking for a companion. 
He was looking for someone so he wouldn't be alone. God saw it, and even Adam saw it. It wasn't good to be by himself. So as Adam's sitting here searching and looking for someone to, to, to be that perfect companion, nothing was found, and then God puts him to sleep, and ahava, here comes Eve, right? Here's the woman. She's taken out of the man. Um, Eve, Adam's wife, is created. And at the, the moment that he sees her, he knows this is who I need. This is who I need. See, God said, it's not good to be by yourself, man. And then he said, here, let me bring a person into your life that is exactly who you need. In life, we face some tough times. We just do. We live in a fallen world. There's so much craziness going on right now. It really, it, it's really nuts. And trying to do this alone seems like about the dumbest idea in the whole wide world. Life is challenging sometimes. And when we try to do this by ourselves, we're completely going against what God created us to do he didn't create us to go it alone now maybe you're struggling with the idea of being vulnerable because every time you've opened up and shared and let people in they've hurt you and if that's you i'm sorry i think most folks can relate to that on some level though right but here's the thing until we make ourselves available emotionally until uh, we put ourselves out there and risk being vulnerable, there's no way we can build real relationships to find people who are reliable to be in our lives. See, Adam, if you think about what he went through, think about all these animals. So Adam went through one after the other, trying to find somebody who he could, he could share life with and trust with everything. And he couldn't find... Imagine how long that process was. Yet here we are. We, we have one or two experiences that don't work out the way that we like, and we're ready to write off everybody. Well, imagine all the, all the animals that Adam's like, hey, is this my best friend? No. Is this one? Hey, could this, person, could, this, could this be my best friend? No. Like, and when he finally met that person, the one that was perfect for him, he was like, yes, at last. And I find something really interesting is the way that it wraps up. That's why a man leaves his father and mother and unites with his wife and they become one family. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's not how it happened in Hebrew culture at all. So at the time that Moses was told to pen this, that is not how culture existed. A man didn't leave his father and mother. A woman would leave hers. She would wait. He, he would come to get her. They would build on to his father's house and expand their family. She would leave everything for him. It's often how it happens today, isn't it? Right? A woman will leave everything and go be with him. That's typically how the program works. So have you ever paused to go, well, then why would Moses write this? Why would, why would he write? That's why a man leaves his father and mother and unites with his wife. Hmm, interesting. Well, um, if you look at the translator notes in the LET, that Yatsov says maybe an imperfect leave with a gnomic or characteristic nuance, or Joseph should leave. Meaning, when, when a man meets the perfect woman, he should be willing to leave 
everything behind and cling to, stick with his wife. He should be willing to put her before every other person on this planet. Now, if you're like me and you're fortunate enough to have met a, a, a perfect person for you, I am so grateful. My wife is amazing. Uh, and and she's worth it all. And I think Genesis 2 paints a perfect picture of what it's like when we're not doing life alone. The feelings that we get when we finally meet that person who we feel like we could trust with everything. It's like, no matter what, I got your back. You know, Jesus says later in the scriptures um, that... Um, the, the perfect example is of love is someone who will lay their life down for their friends. And, and of course he was going to lay his life down for the, for them and for us. And when you think about your spouse, would you lay your life down for them? I would. When you think about your friends, would you lay your life down for them? I have friends I would lay my life down for. And, uh, and the crazy part is though, I don't know that all of them would do the same for me. I know my wife would. Uh, and if I had anything to, do say about it i wouldn't let her but i know she would my wife is so awesome she was going to give a kidney to a stranger uh because that's just who she is that's just the kind of person she is when we think of life part of the reason that our world is so broken i think when i read through genesis and genesis 2 i think part of why our world is in such disrepair is because Satan has fooled us into thinking that when times get tough, what we need is we just need some time alone. We just need some time alone to cool off, to get away. But what happens when we're alone? We start thinking through all the best case scenarios maybe, but the reality is, I know me, and I can't speak for you, but when you're having a tough time and you pull away alone, do you tend to lean toward the best case or worst case scenario? The what ifs that are bad. Well, what if this, and what if this person's saying this about me? What if they're thinking this about me, right? You have an argument with your spouse. Well, what if they're not happy with me anymore? What if they want a divorce? What if they this? See, I believe that Satan has convinced this world that when the going gets rough, just you need to be away. You need to be alone. But I think God shows us from the beginning of the story, it's not good to be alone. And Jesus tells us later in the scriptures. We see, I think Paul writing about it too, but we see in the New Testament, right? If one falls, another's there to help them up. It's not good to be alone. If you're struggling, if you're having a hard time, if you're struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, if you're just having a bad day, can I challenge you? Can I encourage you? First, I want to encourage you. Get in a good group of people. Get in a good small group. If you say, well, I don't have a small group where I'm at, start one. Get a group of people that that you want to build a relationship with and say, hey, can we get together and just start spending time together and learning about the Bible, learning about Jesus together? Can we do that? I want to build some relationships that, that are built around God's word. If you don't have that, start it. Start sharing life in community with people who realize the value of living a godly life. And guess what? Like it took Adam forever to go through all these animals and he couldn't find the perfect companion until God created Eve. 
It may take you some time to find those perfect companions to share life with, but once you do, oh, can I promise you, it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. You and I weren't created to be alone. And you know, it's so great, by the way. This is what I love about God, too, is at the end of Genesis 2, it says the man and his wife were both naked, and they weren't ashamed. You know, culture has twisted sexuality so much these days. I mean, it's, as Tony Clark um, says on Pastor's Perspective, lost people do lost things. It's very easy to get mad, and I do get mad, about stuff going on sexually in the culture. People are grooming kids with all the sexuality and stuff at schools, and it's sad, and it's sickening, and it's disheartening. Um, we've Many of us have had a twisted view of sex in, in growing up um, and nudity. Uh, I know my view was very skewed from the, you know, the way I saw things with my dad and how he treated um sex and, and things of that nature. But I love that when we read through the story, we get reminded that being naked, <laughs> right? Adam says, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone, right? We know that two became one. These two, they connected, they hook up. Uh, this husband and wife team, the first one that we read about here, Adam and Eve, they're naked together and they're not ashamed of it. In 2022, we hear about all this body positivity. <clears throat> now there's a slew of Instagram videos saying that if you're fat, you're marginalized. No, I'm not. No, you're not. If we're fat, we ate too much. Put the fast food down. Pick up a book. Marginalized. It, it, being fat is not marginalized. Um, but the body positivity movement, right? There is something good about this. See, we were never supposed to be ashamed of our body. Now, we also weren't supposed to abuse our bodies and put things in them that damage them and make them obese or uh, loaded up with unhealthy additives and things like that, right? I'm not trying to digress that far. But I think one thing that I learned as I read the end of Genesis 6, or one thing that I just uh, I wrestle with, or excuse me, Genesis 2, is that when it says the man and wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. So the reality that when God gave us these bodies, we were designed to appreciate what he had given us. We were designed to appreciate what God has given us. See, if we appreciate it, we take care of it. If we appreciate our relationships, we take care of it. If we appreciate our bodies, we take care of it. Uh, friends, I want to encourage you throughout this week. Look, I don't know what you got going on in your life. Don't know who you got going on in your life, but can I encourage you as best I can? I know I've been a little on a tangent today because I got the flu and I'm on day quill and trying to get my head right. But uh, can I encourage you with this? If you're a loner, find somebody to be a companion of yours. Find a friend. Find someone to draw near to. If you're not in a small group, get in one. If there isn't one, create one. But it's time to realize that God has shown us the way from the beginning of the story. It's not good to be alone. You were created to be in community. The real question is, what are you going to do about it? Listen, thanks for tuning in. I love you guys. Uh, if you would, just pray for some healing for me. I'd appreciate it. Sadly, my wife and I have to miss uh, Living Scent dinner tonight that we were really looking forward to. And uh, I had to cancel all my coaching calls today uh, because I'm about to go back to sleep. So God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. Love you. I appreciate you all. And I will see you tomorrow.